Good evening, everyone. This is Derek. You. And we're recording episode six of the Class War podcast here end of August. Um, today, we're going to go over the pre-running that we just did um, on a bunch of the Class Four roads, review some of the conditions, talk about some updates with the event, and uh, tell some of the uh, crazy stories that we had along the way this weekend with some amazing people. So, uh, first off, we'll talk about the conditions that we encountered. We spent the last couple days, really Friday through Sunday, pre-running really the vast majority of trails from the venue in the immediate area and the town surrounding that, and then also some of the southern stuff. Um, and what we're seeing is... Some greens are still greens, but a vast majority of trails have upgraded one level. So blues became reds, reds became, or I mean, greens became blues, sometimes reds. Um, and in the odd case, we're seeing stuff that just is completely blocked. But that's why we're pre-running everything for you. So we can um, give you guys a solid update on what the trail conditions are. So you know you can do it in a safe thing. Um some of the cool observations that I've seen out there from running the trails is it, it's really interesting that we, we were saying is it's almost like one side of the mountain favored more with the washouts, even though it's the same town than the other souls. More we were seeing on the east side of the mountains and stuff had more washouts on the west side. Although in Plymouth, the west side was definitely worse. Um, but the things that we're encountering out there, is massive trenches that is the that Which is definitely the voice. the stuff that we're running into that is blocking trails is trenches down the uphill sections of class force um Hugh, tell us about the trench that you found out in barn so we had this trench that dug along the road it was a, it was a green right it was a green completely green and it it looked like red. It looked like you could pass it. But when I got into the trench... Because and how deep was the trench? Five feet. Yeah. At least. You couldn't see him in the trench. And you would think, oh, it's safe to walk on, to drive over it. next. Well, to not it. drive over it, but drive next to it. Next to it. But no, it is dug under the ground from all the water. So it was two feet in underground. Yeah, so I had an overhang. So that's one thing I have to say, guys, is if you're out doing these trenches walk the trenches before you drive over the edges of them because the water may have worked a foot or two underneath the overhang that you see from the road. And we had a group of experienced guys. None of us saw that until we had Hugh just jumped in the trenches playing and he's like, oh my God, there's so much under here. So one of the vehicles could have easily driven up there and then it would immediately, and it would be catastrophic, immediately wind up on your side in a five foot trench. So a lot of the trenches are passable. What we're saying is walk before you start driving on some of these big trenches. If it looks really deep, check it. Make sure. The stuff that we've come across that is impassable, we have taken off the maps. Um, not saying that stuff still couldn't pop up, but we've been doing our damnedest to pre-run uh, a bunch of this. We had, I can't thank the guys who came up this weekend enough for the pre-running. Um, you know, as I've told you all before, this event doesn't happen because of me. This is not my event. This is your event. But this event doesn't happen without everyone helping to make it happen, whether it's the pre-running, 
whether it's the maps, which again, I don't do this stuff. I help with the pre-running, but I can't pre-run by myself. It's not safe. Um, it's everything comes to the maps, the Hendersons. None of this is, is me. This is all a bunch of people coming together to help make what I had an idea become a reality. Um, so I can't thank everyone that came out enough, uh, for that, but we pre-ran a lot of towns that are going to go to Alex, um, from 207 Overland. It's going to update the maps. Um, so I have, I have a really good working knowledge of what's around the venue and it's good because I can't stress enough how much the flooding back on July 11th was a great reset on 15 to 20 years worth of data, um, on these class four roads. We're finding stuff that I can remember driving five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago when I started, that was as green as can be, might as well be a class three road that is now impassable. Um, and that's not the majority that's not the majority. There's still definitely a fair amount of greens out there. There's still a lot. And if you are coming to the pilgrimage and you are an experienced off-road driver that is capable of reds and Thanks. You're going to have an amazing time this year. You're still going to have an epic time with the greens. Just it's changed to be less greens now. Whereas before this flooding, there was more. Our, our majority of trails, like 60% of our trails, were greens. The rest were a mix of blues, reds, and pinks. I'd say it's swapping out about 40% of greens. Um, but what we've done is we've come up with some amazing routes for the people that want to do stock stuff. Um, we're also going to be dedicating the entire pilgrimage staff to running stock friendly routes so that way you don't have to worry about it and freeing up our guide services to go out and take you out on the more advanced stuff. And again, you can still go out with your own groups, do whatever. This is just an extra thing. So if you don't, if you're not coming up with a group of friends or, or a club, you have someone to go out with because we should never really be wheeling alone on these class four roads. Too much stuff can happen. Um, in the next episode, I'm going to get into some of the, the medical stuff that can happen out on the trails and why we always want to have be willing in groups and why we always want to have a, a basic a basic trauma kit um in addition to our just boo-boo first aid kit um that's x episode so we're really trying to make this year easier for everyone also helping people get into groups um for going out and that are well mike and i are work and alex are working on a system um for the mornings to help people get into groups and also get it set up with the guide services so by about 10 30 everyone that wants to go out and needs help finding a person to go out with should be taken care of and out there out in the trails so that way they can get back for the five or whatever get back to the vendor area um but i have to say so so much start getting into what we did this weekend i have never worked harder driving than i did on saturday um i was out with some epic dudes mike moffett um who a lot of you guys know is famed from doing everything that is tech related to the pilgrimage never mind all my old previous companies um and he also was the first person to ever take me off road mike moffett took me out in with his range Rover classic and i had an old series land rover 109 on bar grip tires that i didn't know about deflating and uh Mike helped me do an, a really hard trail called Belvedere Mountain Road. And um, at one point, I didn't know how to drive stick that well either. And Mike actually had to drive up a, a three-foot rock obstacle that I tried for like 20 minutes and couldn't get up, and he got over it. Um, 
Thompson was lost because of him. Ned Crystal, uh, Mike, Michael also from the New Hampshire Defender Club. Um, we worked hard. Um, we had planned on being able to pre-run three towns. We got half a town done. Um, but it, we had an amazing time doing it. We did on the maps, we did the Pit of Despair, which oddly enough isn't a pit anymore. It's more it a is, mountain. It's, it's more just like where it's it used silted to be green. in because the road that used to be the green has now filled in the Pit of Despair with silt, but now has massive trenches on the green. It's kind of swapped. It's, it's funny. Weird. But we wheeled a um, Catherine's 110 really hard. Um, so we dragged a diff into the trenches were so deep we were winching and dragging a diff um for probably about i don't know 50 feet it was it was awesome um and it was really cool wheeling with those pure land rover groups so in 1983 110 which is the first year of the defenders we had two brand new 110s and then we also had a 2002 disco um and it was pretty crazy to see how they all do things differently um and traction control and with the conditions out there, traffic control is definitely a lot with all this loose gravel and the wet stuff. Um, I was struggling on certain things that they didn't have problems on because of not having traction control. Whereas having the solid axles definitely helped me on other things that um, the new Defenders had some issues on. Um, also, I was a good bit lighter than the new Defender. What well, we did that, we then, where do we go after that here? Uh, we went to a blue loop that's now pink, a pink and blue. Yep. So we did it. We did. Oh, we did. No, we did do that one green though, yep, which was we good. One we found a good green and Barnard and another good green. Um, we started to do a green slash blue loop that was. That's the one where Hugh was standing in the trenches. That and was, then no, there's one before that. That's where I'm standing in the trenches. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The one of you in the trenches. Death Star came after that. Death Star. Um, yeah. We named this trail that we spent probably about two hours just getting the 110 up and down. Um, I'll tell that story in a second. So, pre-ran this other trail. Conditions were good. Some washout, but not as bad because it was on the it was on the side of the mountain. Definitely didn't get as much rain. It was weird. The, the flooding around here was pretty weird in how it worked. It, it's crazy. You can have two trails that are next to each other, both different steepness that did that washed out entirely different. Um, so we pre-ran this, came back around, and came out to a trail that had some sizable trenches. And it was later in the day. It was probably about, like, 2 o'clock. So we decided, like, hey, should we pre-run this or bypass it? And we're like, you know what? We're going to pre-run it because we need to pre-run everything. When we had confidence. That this, is we had con this is back when we had confidence, and it was, still <laughs> wasn't raining. Well, we'll get into the rain later. Um and then I was in the 110 leading with the two other 110s behind me and, a, and the disco in the back. And we all elected, it was a group decision, that we could do this trail. It wasn't just my decision thinking I'm going to go trash Catherine's car. That didn't work out so well. I mean, we'll get into her walking around it in a bathrobe this morning, pointing out my failures in life. <laughs> and uh, the group's failures in letting me make those decisions. Although I will give them credit. They all stuck up and said that they helped elect the vote saying we should do it. And she pointed out that they shouldn't let me do things. But anyways, um, we go up this trail and we start making good progress and it starts getting, there's no turnaround because we're in the trenches. And at one point, Ned, who is 
directing me, the, the 110 starts going on side. So I'm probably like a 40, 42 degree angle. And I can tell it's steep in the car, but I could really tell it was steep by Ned's face. And then I didn't know this, but I was two-wheeling that section of the trench. You were two-wheeling for a good five minutes trying to get up that was one off. Oh, was I on this? Oh, yeah. So I had two wheels off the ground for about five minutes? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I couldn't see this because I was pinned in the side. I couldn't get out because I was right-hand drive, and I was leaning on the right-hand side, and it was too steep for me to climb over. So, And I was still making progress back and forth. I didn't have to winch at that point. Um, but I came as nearly close to putting the Defender on its side, I think, as anyone has. Um, so we get up that, power through, and it just, you know, and I, oh, this is the other thing I have to say. The reason it didn't go on its side is from the training that I got at OEX literally two weeks before um, about how to do hills and also how to uh, deal with angles. And this was just like them inviting me down because they are amazing people um, and teaching me stuff. If I'm going to take a second here. If you have the opportunity, get training. Get it from someone who knows your stuff, and it could very it will easily pay for itself in the damage that you don't inflict on your own vehicle, never mind the harm that it could inflict on you physically if something were to go wrong. Really so moral of the story is training is good. Uh, knowledge is good. Stay in school, kids. Um, so, Hugh, we get over that obstacle. Then what happened next? Well, I kind of... So we get... It looks like it turns into a green for about 100 feet. Yeah, we were kind of confident. We think we are going to get the other vehicles through it. So, I think everybody was like, all right, we're going to try and meet you on the other side. And then we go up there for a minute, and we come over the radio work. No, because the trenches were, like, earlier. Oh, no, like, no, you're missing the whole winch section in the rain. Oh, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, so we, um, we had one trench that the angle was weird. But there was no traction, and I was dragging the car down the side. But it was soft, so it wasn't doing any damage. It was like just mud. And um, we had to winch, and we winched for probably hour 60 feet. But it took like an hour and a half just to winch because out. Because there was so much drag from the amount of stuff we were stuck in and the angles, and there wasn't good. And we were using traction mats, we were using everything. We had a jack at one point. We had a high lift jack, which helped us get up to get over, uh, to get stuff under the tires. And oh, we're this Harbor Freight winch, which I cannot say enough good things about the Harbor Freight winch. If you, don't get me wrong, worn winches are awesome. So is the power winch stuff. If you are on a budget, all winch is better than no winch. And synthetic line is definitely better than cable. Um... It is key. That winch worked its ass off to the point where at the end it was wrenching in at like maybe like an inch or two like every 10 seconds. It was it was getting hot and it was working and that was even with cool downs. So I can't get out of the car to help the guys. So I'm in the car for an hour and 10 minutes and it starts pouring rain. I mean like it rained hard. And Mike, Hugh, uh, Ned. and Ned... And the other Mike were doing everything they could to keep me going. And we are, we were, so we get up there after about an hour on this one trench 
We get up, get back onto a flat ground. Can I just add in one thing that we yeah. found amazingly about that trail? There is a huge stone foundation right next to it of a yeah. house. We did, yeah, once I opened, I do have to, yeah, we found an awesome um, cellar hole that I never knew was there that you never would have noticed unless you spent a bunch of time on your side right next to it. And we're looking <laughs> down into it while you're on your side. Um, I never noticed it before. I've driven that trail a bunch. And I never noticed it. It was a really nice deep cellar hole. Um, so you guys know my passion is adding the history to these, to the trails and all that. Um, so we get up there, Hugh did awesome spotting Ned, watching him go from like where he started last year to like the monster of a man that he is now and, and how he was helping and directing everything and just the sheer knowledge that he's acquired, um, was awesome. We would not have been able to do it without him. Um. He started guiding. We got up, got over the obstacle. Everyone has a high five. Everyone goes back to their car, and they're like, we're not taking the defenders and the disco up because I think only one defender, one of the other new defenders had a winch, and the disco no, did not. No, none of them did. None of them had winches? None of them had winches. Well, we were definitely not taking them off because bubble ropes wouldn't work there because uh, you just couldn't get enough energy to pull on. So we decided that I'll drive forward and meet them at the other end of the trail. Because that was going to go fantastically. Yeah. Uh, so we made it, like, 200 feet and then come across trenches even bigger than the first trenches, which I still think someone on a higher, like you had 37s, you could probably do it, but you're going to be winching on stuff and you'd want a couple vehicles for safety. So we did discretions, a better part of Valor because we're in a 83, 110 with no lockers on 31s, but it still does amazing. And we turned around and Hugh guided me because there was trenches where we were turning around, and Hugh had a very stressful moment, but he he powered through it because he was concerned about me flipping over, and there was no one around, and he was a little worried about me hurting myself, and he guided me through the te- through tears, guided me back in the perfect order to get me going, so we didn't get stuck in a trench or flipped over, and then we proceeded to head down the trail. Can, one second, just. Mike with his spot, Mike Moffat with his spotting, that was... Yeah, Mike Moffat did some awesome spotting, too. Um, that was earlier. So we'd already changed one tire back at the Pit of Despair when in one of the trenches I wedged a tree branch into the bead and killed it. And even after prying out all the wood, I, I couldn't get it to hold bead again. Um, so we're down. We don't have a spare. In the trenches up at the top turning around we took another tire off just with it's just rocks coming out of these trenches popped it off at speed and i think may have cut the sidewall a little so we pumped it up with the compressor as hard as we could and then proceeded to send it before the air because it was a slow leak it was bubbling but it wasn't like it but leaking off like where it's going to go flat in like five minutes but enough where we could send it for like two or three minutes and we sent it down the hill, and that's where Mike came in and started guiding us. And it was it was intense stuff. And then the last probably 200 feet we did in the trenches with the wheel completely, with a tire completely off the wheel. But luckily we had momentum going for it. And the trails are slick because it's rained for an hour. Um, it was the hardest driving I've ever done. But we got to the bottom. Couldn't reset the bead. We're trying to do, we're trying to jack it up literally in a, it's now pretty much a riverbed. It's dry, but it's all rock. It's everything. Um, 
and it's well, it's not dry. It's wet, but it's not flowing water. Like and it was uh, we left the 110, jumped in with Mike Moffitt, and then the crew drove back the hour to the house, grabbed a spare wheel out of the other 110 that I had at the house, drove back up, and then Mike and I worked to get that at the right height and jacked up safely to change the tire for probably about 45 minutes. Um, just because it was in such a weird place to move it. And the only way to move it forward would have been to really cut the sidewall of the tire that was on the on the wheel. Well, wasn't on the wheel. That was vaguely around the wheel. And um it, yeah, his ingenuity, he helped me out. He actually we had a jack that he'd given me at Winter Romp because I had also thrown some wheels when I aired down too much at Winter Romp off the similar off the same car. Um but we got it out. This the one ten, Kate's one ten did amazing. It has some body damage, like I put a little dent on the ho- on the uh, on the roof, and then I also bent the steering. Keep it coming. So uh, I drove back with the uh, with the steering wheel about you know ninety degrees off to the right, but like it went down the road street ish. Um, so that's gonna get fixed. And then what else did we damage? Uh, oh, we bent up the steps that have been pretty done for a while. We, we bent up like the rims a bit. Oh yeah, the wheels. Well, I got to put new wheels on it. We're putting different wheels on it because these the wheels that are on it are now I think are a little bit too narrow for the tires we have. No, they are too narrow. Um. So, anyways, we get back about seven p.m. and then had the most epic evening around the campfire. Dennis brought some amazing chili. Catherine made some amazing homemade pizza. Uh, John made us epic cocktails. And everyone's having scotch, bourbon, smoking cigars. Kids are playing around. Dogs running everywhere. It's just camping at the house. It was just awesome. And it just made me realize how awesome the pilgrimage community is. Because a lot of the communities that you see, whether it's overlanding, off-roading, flying, airsoft, any of the stuff I've been involved in, um, they can be they can have pretty toxic elements. And I have to say, within the pilgrimage community, I have come across zero, zero toxin, like no toxicity. Even in the overland community in general in the Northeast, I haven't really come across, there hasn't been anyone like, man, I don't want to be out in the trails with them, or man, I don't want to be around the campfire with them. Um, it's a pretty amazing community, and that's, and it's a community you can have your, family around and not have to worry about it like i trusted my two boys to sleep in their rooftop tent down here with the guys without me being down here i desperately needed a real bed last night because my back was killing me after my shoulder particularly from trying to hold the wheel while being in the trenches um on the trail that we decided would be named death star death star because you spend the whole time in the trenches and it kicks your ass um (laughs) but Anyways, the community is, I have to say, as you come to these events, and the cool thing with this is all the guys that were there, every one of them I met at the pilgrimage. Um, Besides Mike, who was, he's the only guy that I knew before this. Um, And he wasn't even around the campfire. He just came down from the Northeast Kingdom to wield us. Um, It's the friends that you're going to make. And the connections and the shared camaraderie, just sharing time, whether it was hanging around the campfire, eating pizza, 
looking through night vision goggles, letting the kids run around looking through night vision goggles. We're chasing the dogs around. Um, it's yes, it is one event, but what you take away from that event, I hope is a lot more than just that one event per year. I hope you make these connections and I hope you spend time camping at the Hendersons in Vermont or, or even wheeling around New Hampshire or doing, doing whatever, taking advantage of the relationships you're going to build there is, is what I think makes the event so amazing because it's just the right size to get out, meet people. It forces you to get out in the trails. It's not a trade show. It's an actual, let's go wheeling. And then let's come around and hang around the campfire and tell our amazing stories and eat awesome goat's cheese from Chris Freeman or drink cocktails from um, the garage distillers or Vermont Vines. Oh, that was the other thing. Vermont Vines is going to be doing all three nights of the pilgrimage this year, um, doing samples and selling amazing bottles of wine. So I can't stress this enough. Do not come to the pilgrimage with provisions. You can buy everything locally, and I guarantee you it will be better than what you're bringing, unless you're bringing amazing donuts. The guys who do donuts down in Massachusetts and all that stuff, like Holy Donut and some of the other stuff, your donuts are better than ours. Our cider donuts are better. Absolutely. Our cider donuts are top-notch. But Can't the rest it. of our donuts, our donut game in Vermont is very poor. Oh, yeah. So, as you can tell, I'm a fat kid. I like donuts. <laughs> um, But anything that you need, you can get locally. Whether it's amazing, you know, if you want, if you want to get some great stuff, there's amazing butchers, local buy, produce, anything like that. We're working on also getting some more people selling local produce and eggs and maple syrup and honey in at the venue and some other cool stuff I'm working on that I just I haven't been able to get to come together yet. Um, we'll also have food at the venue as well. So really looking forward to everyone enjoying that after doing some epic wheeling. Um, Hugh, did you have anything to add, buddy? No, not really. What? Did, oh, what did we do today? Oh, so we went down to... Rockingham. Yeah, we did some trails from Rockingham, and we had to use a different vehicle because, um, well, the, the the 110 drives, but it doesn't drive safely. So it's also to clarify, I have like three 110s. So Kate's 110, Isla, as she calls it, that I messed up, and she won't be pretty angry about. Um, that one couldn't drive today. So we took the Open Top X Special Forces 110. Um, Hugh had hair blown up, so he looks like he's from an 80s. He's got, like, straight up, like, out of an 80s teenage romantic comedy. His hair is, like, four inches tall, blown straight up, like he used a hairdryer on it. And we went out with a group of Defender 110, Land Crew, or 80 Series. John, what are you running? Forerunner. Forerunner. A Hummer H2 yeah. and a oh, 47 Willys Jeep. It was a very collective group of vehicles, and we had an amazing time today. Again, only managed to pre-run a town. So you are not going to run out of territory to drive at the pilgrimage. I'm telling you now, there's 78 towns out of the 80 are open. Um, you can cover some ground. We had an amazing day, and then we ended it at Grafton Market, which if you get a chance... <clears throat> to go to the southern routes, Grafton Market is an epic place to stop and do some provisioning. Incredible sandwiches, incredible cheese, wine, um, pastries. And then they also have some amazing stuff in the core pre-made for like dinners and lunches. 
Um, out of all the general stores in Vermont, Grafton Market is hands down my favorite. And then, amazingly, we run into one of our fellow pilgrims there. Two of them, actually. Two. And uh, who do we run into, buddy? Uh, Pete and... Sam. Sam. Sam, some of you guys know I've talked about before. He drives a Subaru, um, which is amazing to me. And Pete from Pete's Camp. Sure enough, Pete from Pete's Camp is wearing a pilgrimage hat, which was awesome. One of the Orvis wax hats. It always makes me happy to see out there. And it was just cool catching around, hanging out, talking to people. Um, but if you get a chance, Grafton has some amazing trails. It's a beautiful town. It is definitely, even though it's a hike from the venue, it is worth it to go down to that area and run those trails. Grafton, Chester. Um, and, and yes, we noticed the line of where you start getting damage is about Chester milder damage. <coughs> the farther north you get, the worse you get. The worse you get. Except that then it starts drawing a line where the northeastern side of like the Northeast Kingdom isn't as bad. Northwestern side of the Northeast Kingdom, Pretty really bad. bad. So, um, if you can get it down there, there's also some great greens down there. Um, go, go and cruise around down there. Spend some time at Grafton Market. Have a good time. Um, if you're coming up from the south and you want to do some trails before you get up to the venue, it's a great place to do some provisioning for wine, cheese, whatever, um, and bread and stuff. And they also have some great Vermont products. So definitely worth checking out. But um, all in all, it was an amazing weekend. and the only reason the pilgrimage happened is because we get to do weekends like this where the crew comes out and helps me pre-run. <clears throat> so I'm not doing alone because I could, even before the flooding. We can never do 80 towns. I could never run 80 towns worth of class fours in a single season. It's just not, it's not possible. Um, so having this and Alex doing the maps and you guys helping with the maps, I can tell you, I, I thank you means the world to me that you guys have taken on, helping me take on this responsibility and make it so everyone has a shared knowledge base and knows what's going on and we keep it safe. And then the other thing, um, if you encounter people out there, you guys are helping keep these class fours open. Use the line that you are maintaining the unmaintained. Because remember, the towns are not looking after these and a lot of these trails, the, snow are, the snowmobilers aren't even looking after because the vash doesn't connect it. So we are keeping this open. We are helping locals. We're doing the town stuff. It's really important. Um, respect your interactions with them. Always try to be positive. And just thank you for everything you guys have been doing. I've rambled on enough. Hugh, you got anything to add? No, I think that's it. Cool. I think this is the end of episode six. You know, it's one of the shorter ones. We're at 31 minutes versus my normal hour-long ramblings. I'll get another one out this week because I really want to talk about the the medical side of what you should carry and stuff uh, in your vehicles when overlanding. So thank you for listening to the Class 4 Podcast, Episode 6. You guys have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs>